This is MuggleCast, your Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts podcast covering everything about J.K. Rowling's magical world. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 283. Micah, Eric, and I are here this week. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. There's a lot to discuss this week. Like, Is there? Yeah, and some good stuff, too. It's funny, last episode, which was in late September, we finished recording, and then about an hour later, J.K. Rowling announced that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the stage play, is going to be split into two parts. And we were like, no. That sounds just... familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it's Maybe. Deathly Hallows all over again. Oh, gosh. I so, just, I love, we were we were texting each other, calling each other. Uh, should we get back on Skype and have an addendum to the to the MuggleCasts or? Well, and then funnily enough, today, October 22nd, she makes another Cursed Child announcement. And that works out well, because maybe this will help explain why the stage play has been split into two. Ooh, I am not up to date on today's events. Oh, wow. uh, is it the artwork? It is the artwork. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, before we get to that, we have a lot of news to discuss this week, including two new J.K. Rowling books have been released in, in the time that we've been away, and we're also going to do questions we've never addressed, and we're also going to do make the music connection. So, a lot to get to. We'll start with Cursed Child first. I guess we'll start with the news of last month, which is that, yes, uh, due to the quote-unquote epic nature of the story, in J.K. Rowling's words, the play has been split into two parts, meaning you are going to have to get two separate tickets for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on London's West End when it opens next summer. So, what's your gut reaction to this? This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, can I can I ask a question though? Mm-hmm. Uh, as somebody who's not as familiar with the the news surrounding this, is it that you're going to get to go to two sessions, or part one is going to be released at some point, and then part two is going to follow months later? No, they're going to be running simultaneously. And uh, this actually isn't the first time a show has done this. There was a show called Wolf Hall on broadway earlier this year and that was split into two and you had to buy two different tickets and the website's still up i was poking around it last night and it kind of explained what you have to do huh the reason that this bugs me when it comes to harry potter is that a if this story is so epic that's great but maybe jk rowling should have made this a book not a stage play if if this story is so immense Uh, okay i can see that and two I don't think this is fair to Harry Potter fans. I wouldn't call Mm. Harry Potter fans, um, you know, I I don't think Harry Potter fans are looking to spend probably around at least, I would imagine, $200 American dollars to see a complete stage show. I I, I don't think this is right. Disposable income. I think that's what I have a feeling. I have a feeling that there will be tapes maybe leaked tapes maybe not official tapes of the show but i i don't know for something this that's becoming this high profile almost in spite of itself it should not be this this big where andrew where was where was it said that it's just so epic was that something jk rowling tweeted yeah she said that she said that last month um she said due to the epic nature of the story we've been working on harry potter and the curse child would be in two parts and at first there was confusion because people were like well wait what does that mean does that mean part one then intermission then part two right and that wouldn't be worth announcing because that happens all the time (laughs) but then (laughs) act one act two yeah it's just the reason i question the epic like this is the story of harry before he knew he was a wizard right okay so that's the other thing is this the same play that we're thinking of here (laughs) so that kind of leads us into the other part of the story that happened today the the artwork was released for harry potter and the cursed child and if you look at the art there's a photo of a boy he is in a nest 
that resembles a golden snitch. It's a very cool piece of art. Uh-huh. But then you look at the boy and you wonder, is Stone this Harry. Harry? Now, on first glance, I think this is Harry. But people have pointed out, and I actually... <laughs> I gotta hear these theories. I gotta hear these. Well, I'll give you my theories, but um, the boy in the post art is not wearing glasses. So if this isn't Harry, is it Remus? Is it uh, James? Is it Neville? (laughs) So, so I was kind of you know speculating. Well, this poster art. It symbolizes Harry within the Golden Snitch. He's he's kind of in the fetal position. So I was suggesting on Hyperbole, oh maybe he's he's like he's um what what's it called when you're like in an egg and uh, you're incubating. Oh yeah 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 okay. <laughs> so looking at this poster, do do you guys <laughs> think this is Harry? I I mean. I'm inclined to believe it's Harry, but you know what? I don't know what to think anymore about this play. I really don't. <laughs> like, every news item we get is just slightly more confusing than the previous news item. For instance, the title. Right? When the title was released, I was like, why call it Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Why not just... Right. Why even Why even stick to that formula of Harry Potter and the... If you're going to do something unique and new that's never been done before, just call it the cursed child and have it be about Harry Potter and everybody knows it's about Harry Potter, but don't call it that. But then I guess through a series of tweets and like what has come to light, there's a possibility that Harry is not the cursed child of the title that it's uh, that there's this other child, which would make sense because as we've spoken about previously, calling it Harry Potter and the cursed child would be redundant. If the cursed child is Harry. Exactly. But so if it's not Harry, if Harry is not the cursed child, who is this cursed child? What uh, the, the questions that get raised? What is Harry's relationship to him? Uh, how is this this child, whoever it may be, connected to the story of the books that you know we've read? And how is he not? I don't know. There's just it's so confusing. So this idea that there's this image now, this poster, and it might not be Harry. That's very interesting. But I don't. I'm I'm fascinated because this kind of feels like getting new book art. Like we're looking at a new cover for a new Harry Potter this book. This looks really good. I love that it's, as you said, a nest. I yeah. love that, the golden snitch. I love it a lot. You know, Harry, I assume, takes his glasses off before he goes to bed, though. You know, sets True. them on that little shelf. So I, I, I imagine this being Harry, maybe his hair is covering, you know, what would ordinarily be a visible scar. Yeah. And maybe he's in that small nest. But but that, that to me looks like he's crouching in like what would be the cupboard under the stairs where he lived for 10 years. So right. I, I would probably be on team It Is Harry, but I like the idea. I think I was seeing over on Twitter people were sus- suspecting like Remus because Remus had the lycanthropy curse, whatever, you know, turns him into a werewolf. Like I like the idea that they would take a story as a stage play and compare say, young Harry to young Remus. And anything with the Marauders, I'm sure everybody would spend all the money necessary to go see. <laughs> right. Because those are that's where this story is, is at, in my so, opinion. So tickets are going on sale very soon, and I thought by now we would have some sort of synopsis telling us what what is going on in this play. I mean, mm-hmm. are they really going to sell tickets without giving <laughs> us some clues? Yes. Uh, of course they are. <laughs> it is typical J.K. Rowling in terms of presenting a mystery misdirection it's almost like harry potter is a moniker right it, 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 isn't it just we've gotten so accustomed to seeing harry potter end before anything so i really don't know what to expect i i have no real theory at this point just because there's not a whole lot of information but i think that it's intentional and, and based on what she said previously fans of the Potter series will be in agreement once they actually see the play or read a review for those of us who aren't able to go and see it. Yeah. That we will understand the reasoning behind the title, which I hope so has always been something that she has been uh, really, really good at, at, at doing right. We, We think back to all the different puzzles we had to solve in order to reveal the title of the books. And then always needed help. 
at that point, we still didn't have a whole lot of information. We didn't know who the Half-Blood Prince was or what the Deathly Hallows were. And I think that that just speaks to her ability to write a mystery, which at its core, in my mind, is really what Harry Potter is. And, and she's shown you know, her ability to go beyond that in, in writing the, the Corman Strike novels. So I think she, she is very, very good at, at weaving words together, misdirecting people. And I, I can't imagine that this is any different. Well, I, okay. as to, as to, oh, go on. Uh, actually, I got some big breaking news right now. Oh, geez. So there's some sort of event going on. This is totally legit. Producer, the two producers said Harry Potter and the Cursed Child picks up where Deathly Hallows ended, and there is a tagline. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> I'm what to the Cursed Child? Yeah, the okay. eighth story, nineteen years later. Interesting. <laughs> so this makes it a lot more confusing. Is it a future? Th- I thought this was. We gotta go back and find where it said that it was Harry when he was before, like the Dursleys. That's be, like, right. That's where it. That's what came out a while ago. That was the first thing we heard. Was it was for Privet Drive before right. Hagrid burst down the door, and but then J.K.R. was adamant on Twitter. It's not a prequel, and she knows the English language. You know, she knows what a prequel is and isn't. Well, this certainly wouldn't be a prequel. Well, they wouldn't be if if this information is true. But otherwise, I don't see how it couldn't be a prequel if it's about Harry before he went to hogwarts but i i'm just i'm so confused oh man doesn't make any sense previews are going to begin they're going to run from june 7th to july 3rd um so we're only about eight or nine months away the eighth story 19 years later eights what uh, is it his kid is that's, it that's what it must be right in like a fatherly role kind of like to a kid is it like an epilogue uh Harry Potter, could Harry um, take some sort of cursed child he discovers after the events of Deathly Hallows and put him under his wing? Can he uncurse him? Maybe does El- does Expelliarmus uncurse people? Um, I don't think that was, that's a, that was a I, joke. I, I just need them to explain already. I've I've had enough. Yeah, this is that's really well. Which weird. of his children would this look the most like if were to um take a real close look at the child that's inside this snitch egg (laughs) snitch egg okay hashtag snitch egg how about I mean I would say James Sirius I think that's who he looks closest to can you pass along a curse through genetics uh yeah like well I don't know about lycanthropy uh Jake Harris said Teddy Lupin was fine though right he's just a metamorphomagist like his mum can I just say this eighth story, calling it the eighth story 19 years later, like this, at all. Th- this to me is a cheap marketing ploy because it's kind of like being like, hey, guys, guess what? This is an eighth Harry Potter book. Oh, well, we'll, we'll all was well. All, I'm, well, and I, <laughs> all was well, except there was this cursed child roaming around in two parts on the West End. Um, I, I will say, Andrew, going back to your very first, I think, question of this topic, like, is it fair to Harry Potter fans that it isn't a book? I like that JKR is exploring like the new media aspect. Of course, that's technically what Pottermore was to begin with. But, you know, the idea that she's writing a film too. I mean, Fantastic Beasts, she wrote, I assume it's done um, because they're filming. And, you know, she's trying new things, branching out into into new areas. I think as long as there is some sort of effort made to make the play widely available after it closes, like footage, you know, they do, they sometimes film plays, even though it's, I'm not saying a movie adaptation, they actually film the play and release it officially through official channels. That should be something that they do. And, and actually, uh, apart from just being my opinion, I, I think it's very realistic that they would do knowing how commercial Harry Potter is. I mean, but it, but if they make it reasonably available to as many people as who want it and can pay as much as they would for a book for it, and you know it'll be at Barnes and Noble, which sells movies anyway, yeah, yeah then you know, is not necessarily as unfair. You um, know what else they've done? Um, sometimes these plays will stream live in movie theaters. You ever see yeah. those commercials? That would be cool if they did that for this. I, 
I went there for a Star Trek thing once to a theater and they were streaming it and the internet crashed. It was terrible. <laughs> we all oh. got our money back. Oh, but gosh. yeah, it's like um, Fathom Events, a- any of those yeah, exactly. theater streaming things. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do those. That would be cool. And that would be a situation where, I mean, apart from Fantastic Beasts, you'd get tons of Harry Potter fans converging on movie theaters. So let's move on. My head's still spinning from this. I know this story. is this is weird, guys. <laughs> if any if any weird. listeners have any clue, like have made well, sense of any of the, if you were good at the door on JKR's site, <laughs> yeah, just mess and and or you the think Christmas you tree. know it, or the Christmas tree or the. Uh, you know what hang- else kind of makes me feel like this is post Deathly Hallows? I mean, it is. Uh, this guy, reliable guy, apparently was at some press event and he took a picture of that tagline. Um, the wings on the snitch are kind of bruised which would fit in with you know this being after yeah. what happened to the snitch you snitches, know snitches get a beating snitches take yeah. a beating okay um, well let's move we, on we could talk about this all day. yeah i know i know yeah. welcome to snitch cast what's snitch, blowing snitch my mind so much is that we've many people have yearned for years about an eighth harry potter book and of course none of us i don't think really wanted an eighth harry potter book or at least an eighth installment in this particular story so to see it be used, to see it be described as the eighth in terms of the play just is like, ugh. Well, look, who knows better how to deal with cursed children than, than Harry as an adult? I mean, he basically lived through it, right? Uh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe it has something to do with his job, that he works for the ministry, right? You know as what? Or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and you know what? Didn't I say on a recent MuggleCast? That I was thinking about the fact that J.K. Rowling put all three of the leads in the ministry, working in the ministry. It's almost like she kind of wanted to set herself up for some good stories in the future. Because if you have them working in the ministry, it's bound to be interesting. I don't remember you saying that, but that's brilliant. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we're going to talk more about The Cursed Child, including information that we learned, big information, during the show while recording. You won't want to miss our reactions. But first, it's time to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. Today, I have a bit of an obvious choice. It's J.K. Rowling's new book, The Career of Evil. This is the third book in the Cormoran Strike series, written by Robert Galbraith. Wink, wink. This is the third installment. I'm about 20% of the way through. And you know what? I really like it. It's really good. I've loved J.K. Rowling's Cormoran Strike series so far. Um, if you haven't tried any of the books, now's the perfect time with Audible. You could also get The Cuckoo's Calling, the first book, The Silkworm, the second book, or if you're all caught up, it's time to get The Career of Evil. You can get any one of these for free by visiting audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. If you love J.K. Rowling's writing, and obviously you do, then you're going to love these books. And I promise you, <laughs> it's not like The Casual Vacancy. It's better. It's much better. It's a whodunit which is so fascinating to read when a writer as talented as J.K. Rowling is writing the story. Audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast, and we thank Audible for their support of the show. You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm done with magic, guys. This is frustrating me. (laughs) I am going to go back to 1920s New York and protest no witchcraft in America. Couldn't it be the charmed child? That would be that would be a little bit happier. Eric, just let it go the until the next child. episode, and right. we have more information. So, okay. Fantastic Beasts is filming, as we all know, and they did their first outdoor shoots in Liverpool, England. Ooh. Liverpool is going to serve as exterior exterior 1920s New York, and on Wednesday night, they did some outdoor nighttime shooting, and. <laughs> At this place called St. George's Hall, which is a, it's a beautiful building. And as luck would have it, there is a college residence hall right across the street <laughs> from St. George's Hall. And College so, kids save the day again. Exactly. Some kid was just sitting in his dorm and he was like, wow, well, Fantastic Beast is filming right out my window. I should I should take <laughs> video and tweet this. So he recorded this great video of a scene taking place and from what we can tell 
there's there's some sort of political protest of sorts going on. There's a guy coming out of a vehicle, and there's people around him chanting. Now, at first, it wasn't totally clear, but a couple of reports are saying that the people are chanting. Um, I uh, what did I write? We want we blank, want, blank. Yeah, we want a second Salem. Recurring of referring, of course, to the Salem witch trials, presumably. And there are signs, like I said, that that people are holding up that say no witchcraft in America. So this is interesting because something in Fantastic Beasts, this tells us there's going to be some sort of plot involving muggles, presumably, who don't want wizards in the country. This is also very weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird in part because there is, let me put on my nerdy glasses, the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy oh, man. Es- established back in the 1600s, according to canon. So, as you guys remember, that was a, that was a law, according to J.K. Rowling, that mm-hmm. said wizards are going to keep their magic stuff hidden from the muggle world (laughs) magic stuff (laughs) now there were a couple breaches of this international statute of secrecy and i was looking at the harry potter wiki and there was one that happened in the 1930s my guess is there there was another breach and it's going to be happening in fantastic beasts yeah so it's 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 interesting interesting looking looking at this building um you know, just from a historical standpoint, uh, the the first building that came to mind uh, is the uh, James Farley Post Office, which is right across the street yes. uh, from Pennsylvania Station Ooh. here in in New York City. And uh, a lot of you listeners, I'm sure, have seen it. Uh, it it was actually built in the early 1900s, which would coincide well, I think, with the timing of everything. Now, there's also a uh, New York State Supreme Court building that is in uh, Lower Manhattan, uh, which was also built in the early 1900s and would, uh, I think, fit maybe a little bit more here based on the protesting that's going on. Right. Uh, so those would be the two buildings that, that kind of come to top of mind for me uh, as, as I look at the, uh, the, the video that was in that article. Mm-hmm. I love that you're a New Yorker. <laughs> Well, hopefully it's helpful in some respect, but I, I would think that the Supreme Court building would match a little bit more uh, with, just, with what's going on and what Andrew was describing earlier as opposed to the post office. But uh, we can uh, certainly continue to theorize. Yeah. yeah not, not to borrow the nerdy glasses, but you're right. I mean, International Statute of Secrecy, there's this whole thing. Wizards aren't supposed to know about or muggles aren't supposed to know about wizards, period, let alone enough of them to hold some sort of protest that's supposed to sway political, uh, you know, favors or favor in general. And I, I just don't I don't know where they're going with this. We speculated earlier, though, that I mean, well, first of all, my question about a protest is where the hell is the Fantastic Beast side of it? Right. Where are the animals? Where are the creatures but if there is say a dragon loose and dragon is you know substitute that for any fantastic beast which is cooler than a dragon um but something that cannot be contained that is unleashed on new york city or you know whatever we we speculated a newt only meant to stay in new york for a couple hours right so all hell breaks loose and that maybe breaks the statute of secrecy and then i think that can make a lot of sense actually yeah but it's like it's quick for from that to happen for like people to like form on the streets and start picketing that witches and wizards shouldn't exist. It's like, well, actually stay in your homes. There's a dragon loose or something. <laughs> right. Well, we've spoken before about how Fantastic Beasts need some high stakes. If you're not going to have Voldemort, what is mm. why are people going to care about this story? What are the, what's who's the enemy? And maybe True. the enemy are the muggles who, like you said, uh, a beast gets out into the public then the muggles realize, well, we don't like these scary-ass creatures roaming around New York. Screw this. So they start protesting muggle or wizards or and right. magic in general existing in their country. And I actually think that could be kind of compelling. It could, it could be. Potentially span the course of three movies. Well, it's kind of like the, the Men in Black uh, situation, right? You have these memory 
charms you could do to these people to get them to not care anymore. Um, just like the men in black can erase, you know, forget that you saw this alien thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering why that had, why in this world, if that is what they're shouting and picketing about, why they haven't just been made to forget well, what happened. If it's a beast and let's say they fly through the air or something like that, they, they're, it's, the beast is exposed to a lot of people. Maybe it would be impossible to wipe every single memory, yeah, especially you know in what? a high density place like New York. That's, that's smart. That's Guys, very I think true. We just figured out the plot of the movie. I think. Well, it's it's fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, it was it was really cool to see this footage and see these photos. Still haven't gotten a look at Eddie Redmayne as nude, but that's okay. Uh, special thanks to this guy who tweeted this video, Zach Bamford. Yeah, uh, I hope that's his real name because Bamf is in his last name. <laughs> yeah, and um. <laughs> The site portkey.it took some great photos and figured out that the sign said no witchcraft in America. They also took the shot of David Heyman sitting in his booth on, on his laptop, like the back of him. Oh, it's my like, God. Oh, that's a little creepy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we just write that David Heyman was there. Don't share a photo. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. J.K. Rowling really revealed her favorite Harry Potter chapter. Ooh. I thought it was interesting. It's kind of one of those things that's like, why hasn't she said this sooner? Her favorite was it chapter- into the hmm? was it into the forest again? Oh, sorry. I knew you were just going to reveal it. No, you're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> why did you guess that? I actually was a was a well because that has all of the emotional significance for the seventh Harry Potter book. It's like yeah, when he chooses to die, right? Yeah, so. probably my favorite scene in the movie in terms of emotion she just didn't good. say all of them <laughs> <laughs> i still remember being in the movie theater during that scene and just open sobbing everywhere <laughs> it's like somebody actually died we had those professional criers in the uh in the theater with us when we saw deathly Hallows part two um <laughs> slash everybody was a little tipsy i think yeah what's um, do you guys have a particular favorite chapter i've never yeah, really thought good, about that's it a good question was this a favorite segment <laughs> It just became one. My favorite chapter is no, I I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm not gonna pretend like I have one. Well then you can you can share mine then when I say mine and you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh Bogart in the wardrobe. Uh from from book three. Uh sort of uh, Professor Lupin's on hand you know, hands on practical lesson, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he attacks Peeves gets peeves out of the way on the way to the classroom so mm. that's a good that's a good one though because i'm a big lupin fan yeah yeah i would also go for uh prisoner of azkaban uh moody wormtail padfoot and prongs oh yeah that's when the story really started getting serious i mean i still remember actually watching the movie that movie and that scene in the shrieking shack when they all start fighting and whatnot that was just like such a cool scene yeah and then all of the other chapters that were not adapted in that movie <laughs> <laughs> having to deal with harry's past and all and mooney wormtail padfoot and prongs um hashtag but, prisoner of azkaban was the worst movie oh gosh and you know i can see when people say it was the best movie i will never agree but i understand but also mike is right but those chapters at the end of book three are so like they're shorter than usual because they all contain just so much awesome information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I think, and we've discussed this many times, probably throughout the course of the history of the show, ten years. Uh, for me, Lupin was was really a unifying factor, not only to Harry's past, but he really set him up to become the the, the wizard that that he did right he he is the one who introduces him to defense against the dark arts in the proper way and <laughs> begins to arm he's him the first competent future. teacher harry has <laughs> well let's not hate on quirrell he had a little bit of a head problem uh yeah well and there's mcgonagall i guess um he was pretty competent all right so moving on a little pottermore news we all remember that pottermore no. re- revamped their website <laughs> <laughs> And oh. the illustrations, they were really the the hallmark of, of Pottermore, many felt. And they kind of got pushed to the side in the revamp. 
but there's some cool news people actually got really excited about this this is a apple ebooks or apple ibooks exclusive you can buy these enhanced versions of the harry potter books now only for apple devices and they include they're the full stories they're the full books with all of pottermore's illustrations and if you touch some of them some of them come to life like how they did in the on the pottermore website god really yeah and um the chapter headers have nice uh you know fonts and so i mean there's not much to say about it but i i do have to tell you i was really surprised by the reaction a lot of people were excited about these interestingly they were released only a few days after the first illustrated edition yeah i was gonna say it's kind of is it to compete is it to to basically have a digital something that looks half as decent as the gorgeous illustrated edition but right yeah i don't i don't know what what i mean i like this in that it's a good way to preserve all of pottermore's great artwork yeah so there's that um and obviously they want jk rowling and her team wants to keep appealing to new generations of readers and for people who insist on reading ebooks these days maybe on their ipad or on their iphone obviously very popular devices and very popular reading devices really can can i just jump in there for a second have you ever tried to read on your iphone a book (laughs) it is the most impossible thing to do (laughs) not on the six plus (laughs) well yeah well we can't all be that uh that cool posh oh i don't i don't have a six plus i've just seen them but i do not read on on my six plus i read on my kindle yeah Yeah. see that i can understand you know or or if you have an ipad you read on that but the iphone is is tough i I mean i've tried it it's it's not easy i read web pages but not books you know where i see people i mean i'm not a new yorker but i've seen a lot of people on new york subways reading books on their phone don't you see that micah don't you yeah, no, I, I do see it. I see it all the time. I just I'm amazed that people are able to have that level of concentration. Now, certainly they they do zoom in and they, uh you know, have to increase the size of the of the text. But yeah. then how much can you possibly get on a, on a standard six? Yeah. Right. Two lines and then you have to keep scrolling and scrolling. I just well, I'm impressed by those people. I'm surprised they don't. I, I mean, a lot of people go audiobook too, because that's. Yeah. A lot sometimes easier. the subway is too loud, drowns it out. Right. Well, no, I mean, trust me, people on the subway love to make sure that you can hear everything that they're listening to. <laughs> you know, I hear audiobooks, I hear music, I everything. Micah, you got to bring a, a boombox down into the subway and, and blast the Harry Potter audiobooks. Okay. Make everybody listen. Yeah. Or, or MuggleCast, one of the two. Oh, yeah. So, also, another little update. This story's a little old now, so we won't get too into it. But um, on the last episode, I believe I spoke about Pottermore listing Lavender Brown as presumed dead. Did I talk about that on the last episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I checked the site a couple days after I wrote about this and we spoke about it on MuggleCast and her death disappeared from Pottermore. It, it doesn't say anything about the death now. It, it, it used to say House Gryffindor, death presumed dead to May 1998. Now it just says House Gryffindor in her fact file. So she lives. She lives. Well, I think somebody As a werewolf. A I think some, somebody at Pottermore realized that maybe they shouldn't presume anything. <laughs> but I'm still wondering why they just didn't email J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling could offer yes. an answer in two seconds. That's in two seconds that's why you shouldn't presume anything because you're her factual website yeah they have the definitive source on speed dial yeah i mean isn't that the point of pottermore that they can talk to jk to not raise more questions i don't know we did just talk about how jkr likes raising more questions (laughs) she yeah with cursed child she is (laughs) oh man it's very similar to what happened to the encyclopedia remember we had found that written somewhere on her website when she relaunched the site she had talked about how she was going to do an encyclopedia for right. charity we no. no we noted it we posted it on on MuggleNet, and i think andrew you did on hyperbole as well yeah and then it mysteriously disappeared yeah so who knows if in fact we will ever get an encyclopedia but we maybe have it was the to. same person 
There is no way that she would publish on her own website that she is writing an encyclopedia. Like, if if I am on death's door 50 years from now and we still don't have the Harry Potter encyclopedia, I'm just going to... I'm 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 gonna send every listener a thousand dollars. I don't know. There there won't be a Harry Potter encyclopedia, just like there won't be an eighth Harry Potter book <laughs> right, or story. Right. There won't be uh, a two part um, play, and there won't be Muggle protests on the streets of New York in the 1920s because that did not happen. Who knows? It could all be intentional, though. I mean, yeah. think about it. She she puts these little nuggets out on her website. People find them and make a big deal about them, and then they're you're alleging that jk rowling purposely leaked that she's writing an encyclopedia that may have been what are you saying what do you mean yeah well i wouldn't be surprised if she just puts things like that around her website and in the hopes that somebody will just glance over it and not really pay it much attention but i i i don't know maybe it's not her maybe it's somebody who works for her it's the internet somebody's always paying attention but i i I think with the encyclopedia thing, the mention on her on her old website um, was just that that was before the Sony deal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she had a, a huge, lengthy deal with Sony to develop Pottermore. No, I mean, that, I could go back and find the article, but I yeah. think it was Pottermore was already launched uh, oh. at that point when wow. I found this. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll go back and you find know what? It. Now that you say that, that's probably that rings a bell. That's why back. it was news. It, it right. was news because Pottermore had already been launched and there was a, a sentence or two on her website about the fact that she was going to be writing an encyclopedia. And uh, I forget the exact wording, but mm. we, can, we yeah. can find the story. It was, yeah, I mean, it was I think definitely that, something that, we published. That, that may have been too that like somebody from Sony was like, "Hey, you're taking the focus away from Pottermore here. That's a you know that's against our contract. You can't say that." Maybe it was mm-hmm. something like that. Well, and and my theory was, and I guess it still stands, is that the, Pottermore didn't like J.K. Rowling promoting an encyclopedia when when they were still releasing Pottermore because, and and I feel like there's there was an agreement in place that said no encyclopedia until Pottermore is finished because yeah. once the encyclopedia is out, nobody gives two darns about Pottermore. And now Pottermore is, for all intents and purposes, it's finished. They're, you know, all seven books are out. Yeah. And it's turned into this kind of official resource for everything Harry Potter, which, by the way, I think is a good idea. I think Potter, a big franchise like Potter, Harry Potter needs something like that. Right. Okay, um, so he- here's the statement that uh, was on her website. This was oh. in April of 2012, oh right? So yep. Pottermore had been launched by 2012? Mm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was what was on her personal website. It says, For a long time I've been promising an encyclopedia of Harry's world, and I have started working on this now. Some of it forms the new content in Pottermore. So yes, oh. Pottermore is around. Uh, it is likely to be a time-consuming job, but when finished, I shall donate all royalties to charity. Now, in May... <laughs> She updated her website to Once say, we found out that right. she posted that. <laughs> I have been enjoying sharing information about Harry's world on Pottermore for free and don't have any firm plans to publish it in book form. Now, that doesn't mean that she wouldn't still be writing an encyclopedia. It just means that she wouldn't take everything in Pottermore and translate it into book form. And there's also the free element of it, too. But I think people would pay money for an encyclopedia with the knowledge that the royalties are going to charity i don't i don't i don't understand the free portion of it as, as an argument I, I i really think potter fans you know, you go back to things like fantastic beasts and quidditch through the ages right people knew the, the that the proceeds were going to charity and, and that didn't stop them from purchasing it you know what it may have delayed the encyclopedia from the time she said that fantastic beasts well we found out that fantastic beasts was a thing in september 2013 so, in between, you know, I, I'm trying to remember when exactly Warner Brothers talked her into doing Fantastic Beasts, but I'm pretty right. sure it was after she made that statement about the encyclopedia. Well, that makes sense, but also it just it just represents something that I haven't quite thought about exactly. But JKR, you know, right around that time, experienced a creative second wind with the world of Harry Potter. You know, when she made those comments about working, you know, starting work on an encyclopedia or began producing content for for Pottermore and then was approached by Warner Brothers to continue the story 
to which she said, no, but there's actually a lot of material in the 20s. Let's go experience. Uh, you know, that was when the, the neurons started firing. It, it was no longer Harry Potter's done. I've, I've did this for 10 years. I'm taking a break, raising kids, all that stuff. It's now there's so much creative stuff uh, coming from her. And Cursed Child is, is to some extent that as well. But it's really a creative second wind for for J.K. Rowling. Like seven, what was seven books and two companion books is now, I guess, wherever you'd put Beetle the Bard. But like Pottermore, Fantastic Beasts, the trilogy, at the at least trilogy, Cursed Child, uh, possible encyclopedia, J.K.R. tweeting daily, you know, all this extra stuff that's like answering Harry questions, again. yeah, irrelevant to Potter. So it's it's very cool to experience that but some people don't like it you know you say that it's cool but there are a lot of no. people out there that don't like her continuing to expand the world outside of what she wrote in those seven books yeah i mean it's it's I, i've encountered uh i've seen a lot of resistance on the web like that um people saying she doesn't have the authority to answer questions that weren't answered in the books um she is the authority so she yeah has well that would be my argument too but it's it's kind of it's the difference between head canon and and canon and what is canon and what people think in their heads and they don't want her to answer those questions i, I don't know i've never understood not wanting jkr to answer a question because i think her ability to answer it far trumps my ability no, to look, imagine I, what the answer is um but you know it's it's kind of some people don't want that well it's understandable but i will say that there are so many fans of other series where the author isn't living anymore that would love to have answers to questions. So I think yeah. the fact that she is willing to be responsive to fans in, in the, all the different ways that she is, is something that should be valued. Uh, I just, uh, you know, that, that would sort of be the counter argument, but you know, I will say I, I do love uh, all the detective work that we're trying to do here to, to sort of solve all these well, different mysteries. cast. Here's a little more, by the way, guys, um, about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So that guy I told you who who reported the... the is a fraud? It, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he was completely wrong. No, it's ba it's Baz Bamigbui. I can't pronounce his name. Sorry, at the oh. Daily Mail. He's very reputable, despite it being the Daily Mail. Um, so <laughs> he actually did confirm with the show's producers that this is about Albus Severus. Um, wow. A statement what? from the creative team noted that Albus Severus must struggle with the weight of a family legacy he never wanted and that past and present fuse ominously when Harry and his younger son learn the uncomfortable truth that sometimes darkness comes from unexpected places. Now, here's some other good news <laughs> while we all digest this. Did she did she post canonically change Albus Severus's name to something more palatable? Please tell me so. Please tell me so. Please tell <laughs> well, me so. Well, the report says Al. So, <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Harry Potter's kid Al is seduced by the dark side. That's no, why I... mm -hmm. go, No, no, go ahead. I mean, I I just think that uh, it, now it makes a little bit more sense if this is in fact true because it's true he, okay well then it's true but <laughs> then al is cursed in the sense of just being harry's son like he has to live up to this legacy who knows what other sort of dark ominous forces are going to be at play here but i think you know he he's not necessarily cursed in the sense that harry was but through everything that Harry has experienced, and maybe it's living up to expectations, he's just cursed in that sense. But Harry's got two other kids, right? James, Remus, and the girl. Uh, so here's a little more good news. Um, I will stand corrected. The show will have tickets for as little as 15 pounds. So people can see the two-part production for just 30 pounds. What, that, so you can watch on bad. TV outside or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those won't be the best <laughs> seats, but... But the, you'll be in for 30 pounds for both. So that's that's OK. And okay. they said previews will run as little as 10 pounds in a lottery. So, OK, well, I'm expecting more breaking news before the the end of the show. Uh, well, we got to wrap because now I got to go write this on hype. <laughs> uh, where, where I was trying to go with the detective work that we were doing is is that there is a new Cormoran Strike novel that yes. has been released this week and by nice, Robert nice Galbraith, a.k.a. Nice. J.K. Rowling, called Career of Evil. 
Uh, I actually haven't purchased it yet. I plan on it, but I, I know a lot of uh, you know our friends and and other people that we know. You know, they can't wait to consume it. It's almost you know the same as a Harry Potter novel, and they blow through it in less than twenty four hours. I don't feel that way about these books. Like I I would rather get it, enjoy it, read it over the period of a couple of days, maybe even longer. And and you know. Uh, how do you guys feel about this? Uh, have you read the other ones? Are are you into this well, series or I, I, not as I much? Feel, I feel similarly like I want to get it. I want to take my time enjoying it. Maybe try my hand at guessing. Although for Cuckoo's Calling, I didn't guess it. And perhaps it was obvious. Everybody else I know was like, yeah, I totally guessed that. But, um, but the problem is because I've said that I want to take my time and enjoy it. I've never given myself time to read The Silkworm. So I still haven't read The Silkworm. There's yeah. a copy in my apartment, but I've not read it. I, I read the first two. I took my time with them. They're, they're both very good. I'm about 20%, according to my Kindle, into the third. Oh, they give you like a status bar type thing? Yeah, yeah. They even tell you how much time left until you finish the chapter. Or the oh, book. my God. It's very handy. Kindles are great these days. That's cool. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this one, too. And, and there are certain suspects in this third book right from the outset so you could kind of make your own conclusions but it would be very hard to figure it out on your own. oh i read that in the synopsis right they're going after one of like the lesser so like the this police have one suspect but they're going after another yeah kind of thing like that's cool that. that's cool um, yeah i i will read it i think it's great i mean it's jk rowling does a mystery and it's not anything like casual vacancy i've enjoyed cuckoo's calling and i will be reading the soap room and i will be purchasing career of evil and reading it and another book that was released a couple of weeks ago was the first ever harry potter illustrated edition it's beautiful do you guys have it i don't yet i've ordered it from amazon Good. i've i've called this my bad fan month and this is <laughs> October 2015 is my bad fan month i haven't bought the illustrated edition i haven't bought career of evil there's more so yeah, yeah i will so I would like to first of all recommend that you do not buy this from Barnes and Noble. I was there as soon right. as the store opened. They were selling it for forty dollars, no discount of any sort. Weirdly, their own website was discounting it for a price closer to Amazon's, about twenty-two dollars. And I asked, I asked them. I said, "Well, don't you price match your own website?" And they said, "Nope." So I return. I did end up buying it because I wanted it that day, but I ended up returning it and I bought the cheaper copy. You're not a bad yeah. person, Andrew. You're not. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, the same thing. Well, no, I I paid uh twenty two bucks, like you said, mm -hmm. for it on on Amazon, which I think is you know it's it's a reasonable price for an yeah. illustrated book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's big, like we had speculated. The book is wider to accommodate the text with the new illustrations. There are over a hundred illustrations. There's not an illustration on every single page, but on like so, some pages will have one giant illustration. Sometimes the illustrations will go across two pages. Sometimes they'll just be one small illustration. Sometimes there's no illustration at all, but that's okay. I think they were evenly distributed throughout the book. The book is the book is just beautiful to page through. Um, I haven't done this yet, but I still want to sit there and read the story page by page over again and just experience the story with these illustrations. I have to say all the photos that my friends posted on social media about it um, just impressed me further. Yeah. My personal favorites, um, there's a great one of Nearly Headless Nick. No. Yeah. As, yep. As a ghost. If you click that link I have in the doc, I, I took a picture of that one. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. There's one of Harry sitting with Dumbledore um, after Harry looks into the mirror of Erised, which I thought was really adorable. And there's one of Harry and Hagrid in the boat on the way to, or I guess maybe away from the Dursleys' home. And it's just so great because Harry's reaching up into the sky, reaching for the birds, and Hagrid is just watching them from behind. It's just is that like, your coffee table? No, that's um a bed. <laughs> oh, it looks yeah, it looks it looks it looks cool. I was like, that pattern's really cool. It's from uh, <laughs> IKEA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I recommend the bed quilt from... I'm going to get the same bed yeah, from Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about this? The illustrated editions? Is it supposed to be springs? Is it the pattern? <laughs> squigglies, I, squigglies. I love Hagrid and Harry in the boat. Um, and don't forget, they're one of these books is supposed to come out every year. So I will absolutely be purchasing each one of these. And great job to Jim Kay, the illustrator. Yeah, the, these the colors 
the medium looks phenomenal. I'm just staring at this one of him on the platform and my jaw is open just like Harry's. <laughs> so it's time now for questions we've never answered. We asked on Twitter, twitter.com slash mugglecast. Biggest questions we never asked. What do you got for us? Molly asked about the Thestrals. She was curious about that. Um, Ooh. Why couldn't Harry see the Thestrals from the very beginning? He watched Lily die, so why did he finally see them after watching Cedric die in Goblet of Fire? This is going to make us seem really smart, uh, because this this question actually has an answer. Um, it's been addressed by J.K. Rowling on more than one occasion, and there's actually it's not even just Lily's death, as as she mentioned C- uh, Cedric as well. There's a there's a moment where it's specifically pointed out in Goblet of Fire uh, after Cedric's death at the end of the year. Harry is going back to the train and it is said that there's um, horseless carriages. And it's like, that's the moment too, where he had just seen Hedrick as wow. He had just seen Cedric die. And it's like, Oh, okay. If you need to experience death to see Thestrals, then that should have been the moment where she introduced them. But I believe JKR said, well, first of all, she, she said, you need the death needs to sink in. So even after you've witnessed the death, there's sort of a, a grieving process and the magic of the Thestrals is tied into how you're you're grieving how you process the death um i think we speculated even on alohomora as well like if you witness if two different people witness the same death they will see Thestrals at different times because even though they saw the same death they're processing it differently and yeah. it's it has something to do with that and that, that was makes sense yeah so the 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 actual quote from from jk rowling and and going back to lily i would just oh, say that you, harry's harry's too young i mean right i don't think he can even process uh what's going on at, at that moment he has no clue no recollection so um i think that answers the part about lily but on cedric uh she said at the end of goblet of fire we sent harry home more depressed than he had ever been leaving hogwarts now i knew that the thestrals were coming and i can prove that because they're in the book that i produced for comic relief fantastic right. beasts and where to find them these unlucky blackwing horses however if harry had seen them then and we hadn't explained them then i thought that would be rather a cheat on the reader in that harry suddenly sees these monsters but we don't go anywhere with them so to explain to myself i said that you had to have seen the death and allowed it to sink in a little bit before slowly these creatures became solid in front of you so that's how I'm going to sneak past that one. Mm. That is sneaky. Although I actually like um, that comment for explaining the Goblet of Fire thing. She's like, yeah, he technically kind of maybe should have seen him then. But then I made it part of the magic of Thestrals. I'm like, okay, that that that's reasonable. Um, but I knew she addressed it. Here is another one from Lily. I have a couple different ones I'm dying to know about. Can a magical painting use a pensive to store memories, e.g. Dumbledore? I doubt uh, it, right? No, 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 no. Heavens no. Unless it's a painted pensive. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Good answer. I like that answer. A pensive if the pensive's in the portrait, why couldn't they, right? Like, there's no reason why that shouldn't work. Okay, um, so that's kind of like a literal answer. Well, but I mean, a, a portrait is, you know, the magic of portraits can't enter the the human realm where there are pensives and other magical where the humans are looking into the portrait so i would say probably my my guess is only if there's a pensive in their portrait and then and only then should it function the same way that it would in the real world Mm. okay well here's another one from south work j the final battle why did so few parents turn off the fight alongside their kids they could have apparated to Hogsmeade. Hashtag selfish. <laughs> Is that selfish? I don't know. It's, oh, bad parenting. Hashtag bad parenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my thought on this is maybe the parents did show up. It's just that there was so much happening during the final battle. J.K. Rowling couldn't possibly write in all these other yeah. mentions. I mean, how and how fast can news travel, right? Like the True. kids don't have the benefit of knowing how to send their patron. Patronuses are notoriously difficult to cast too. Like, how would you get word? In, even in the span of a prolonged final battle at Hogwarts, there's just no way you can't like get past Death Eaters to go send a message or send an owl. Yeah, it's not going to work. Right. So, how do you notify? 
your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with both of those statements. And I think there's probably a good chance that there were parents there that we just didn't have the luxury of being able to you know, go into that level of detail. But at the same time, look at the three main characters, right? Harry doesn't have parents. Mm-hmm. Ron's parents are both there. Yeah. And and Hermione's you know, wouldn't be able to fight in this kind of situation, not to mention the fact that their memories are erased at this point and they're wandering somewhere in Australia, right? So it, it just, well, I mean, Augusta Longbottom showed up, uh, you know, Draco's parents are there. So it's not like it's without parents. I mean, for the characters that we've come to really know, mm. their families are involved in the final battle. I forgot about Augusta Longbottom. Damn, Micah, you're on fire. <laughs> I want to know if Lavender Brown's parents showed up. Oh, they have to watch her baby die. <laughs> Somebody had to claim the body. Yeah, yeah. I want an answer to that, Pottermore. But, you know, to J.K. Rowling's previous point about introducing the Thestrals very early on um, without sort of having any sort of subtext to them and making it confusing, you could argue the same thing here as it relates to you know people's parents. Like, we've gotten brief mentions of some people's families but you know are you going to get the parents of of dean thomas or or seamus or you know it's it just it would i think i think it would feel out of place wouldn't it yeah, yeah and you wouldn't harry wouldn't have time in his headspace to be like oh that so-and-so this tall scraggly man that must have been seamus's dad based on his accent you know you don't have that harry's thinking about way other things right now One so fine. even if they had been there one final question. This is from Maggie. It's about parcel tongue. If Ron can mimic parcel tongue, why can't wizards learn it like other languages? Must you be born with the ability to speak it? Ooh. So a- we know it's inherited parcel tongue. So there's that. And you also have to remember Ron was just making the sounds and it took him a few tries to do it. He wasn't able to just. It wasn't it wasn't easy to do. And I know this did bother a bunch of people while yeah. reading it, right? Did it bother it. you, Eric? Yeah, it bothered me. Um, because it's, but also, like, why wouldn't it work? It's like speak friend and enter. Like, if you know the Elvish word for friend, you can enter even without speaking a single other word of Elvish. It's kind of like that. Um, yeah. But you don't necessarily have to be born with the ability to speak it because we see Harry and Harry's exceptional circumstance being a part Horcrux um, was able to speak it. Okay, well, uh, thank you to everybody who submitted those. I'd love to t- keep doing this more. We we want to engage our listeners, so keep an eye out on Twitter, and we should probably do it on Facebook too, or maybe yeah, some. We... Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if we didn't answer your question on this episode, um, make it better and send it again. Make it better, <laughs> Eric. That's mean. No, no, no. no. We, well, we just sometimes, a handful. sometimes we look at questions and. You know, we think, well, we may have already addressed that or we may have already done it, you know, so. Um, Micah, I can tell you're in the mood for some Make the Music Connection. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, would you like to go first then? Sure. Okay. We almost didn't do it, but then Micah was like, do two. (laughs) Okay. Here, Micah, here's your choice. What is that, Eric? <laughs> Reminiscing by Little Little River Band. Okay. <laughs> I dug through my seventies again, guys. <laughs> nice. It's uh, yeah. I always feel like it's a running joke to say it's something that uh, Filch and Mrs. Norris would. Oh uh, come on! You always <laughs> go to Filch and Mrs. Norris dancing to. Yeah. Uh, no, it's probably a a song that would easily be playing when you know Ron was off snogging some girl uh, around the grounds of Hogwarts and pissing off Hermione. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a quality of, like, say, goodnight by the garden gate type type aspect to the, the romance. I like it. 
And who should go? Who should be the other person? Ah, uh, it should be you. Me? All right. Here we go. So that's the new you that's a new song off YouTube's U2's most recent album. Wait, what? It's not my seventies? No. No. Okay. And that, Mike, Mike, hey, Mikey, you got the you got the seventies. That's called uh, California There's No End to Love. I I'm afraid there's no Harry Potter connections to California, but I would kind of put that with um Um Harry the Ron- theme Park. What? The theme park. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's yeah. not helping. So this is a that's song a, about Andrew was on to something, and Micah gave gave him the easy one. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's a theme park in California. No, um, uh, the the I was thinking canon wise. The I would say the trio while they're on the road because Bono sings about um, uh, Cal. I don't even know what he's singing about. He <laughs> says California at the dawn. You thought you would never come, but it did, like it always does. And all I need okay. to know is there is no end to love. So I I always met I have obviously listened to that song a bunch of times. It kind of reminds me of a, like a traveling song, a road song. So while they're on the road, I I, I think that's superb. I like that a lot. I'm not happy with it, but <laughs> well, it was are, a weird. It was non 70s song when I promised the 70s song. I apologize, <laughs> Eric. All right, let's 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 do you. We might as all well. right, all right. Catch a wave and you're sitting yeah. on top of the world. So I guess that's Beach Boys? Yeah, 60s now. You know what? These songs all have a tie to California, which is that reminiscing. I know this is a bore, our listeners. Reminiscing was played in the uh, the New Planet of the Apes movie, which is set in San Francisco. Mm. And the coast is obviously where the people surf is off of California and U2's California. I don't know what I did for this making music connection. But anyway, uh, Catch a Wave, song by the Beach Boys, uh, Brian Wilson, Mike Love, 1963. Uh, I'm going to go with Extreme Wizard Sports, right? Wizards... You know wizards have a, a sort of comparison uh, sport to surfing, but like it may be even cooler. I mean, of course, there's Quidditch and riding a broom. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's actually just it. Maybe that's the the comparison um, is is broom riding. Catch a snitch and you're sitting <laughs> on top of the world. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. couple po- podcast plugs here at the end of the show. I do podcast plugs. Podcast plugs. Millennialshow.com. I do a weekly podcast about entertainment, politics, uh, occasional Star Wars, Harry Potter, etc. Uh, every week, Millennialshow.com with, I didn't complete that sentence, with Laura, Elisa, Matt, and, uh, you know, the occasional guest host, like Micah. So check that out. It's available for free. And we also have a Patreon if you would like to support us. Patreon.com slash millennial. But first, listen to the show. It's free and it's weekly. You've heard Micah and I talk previously about Game of Bones, a podcast that we do for the Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire book series. But our co-host on that, Zach Louie, has a new podcast. Uh, Micah, tell them all about it. So it is a podcast called The Strike Files. And uh, I give you one guess as to what it is about uh it is a podcast about the uh corman strike series by robert galbraith uh yes. co-hosted uh by zach somebody, and somebody you'll recognize Nelly, yeah uh, as many people know um uh, from the uh potter fandom amongst other things so uh i would definitely uh give it a listen if you're into the uh the corman strike series especially now with career evil just having been released uh, this past week, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion focused 
right around that book. Uh, but Eric also mentioned Game of Owns, our Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. And we actually just had our 300th episode and yes. live show uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square with a couple of guests of the show. Uh, it is uh, definitely something I think uh, that fans of A Game of Thrones will enjoy listening to. So if you're a fan of the TV show or the book series, definitely give us a listen. Gameofbones.com and Game of Bones on every possible social media platform that you can imagine. And, oh, and and one more, finally, I'd like to mention, podcast I mentioned a couple times before, uh, the Improvised Star Trek podcast. It's a comedy podcast. Listen, enjoy, you'll have fun. Don't need to know anything about Star Trek. It's comedy. It's long-form improvisational comedy. You'll love it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next month for our November episode. Who knows what more info we're going to be talking about then. Maybe an encyclopedia. What if Joe does it again? What if in another hour, despite your thanking her, what if she... <laughs> well, I'm glad that this Albus Severus stuff came out now because... Gosh, Al. Al. You can call me Al. That's I, everybody... I... For, make the music connection next time. Everybody's getting Paul Simon. You can call me Al. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see everybody next time for episode 284. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.